Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your fundraising success and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. His books range from successful online fundraising to use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. And now, here's Ted. Hey, and good afternoon. It is 12 noon here on Monday, March 15th in Washington, D.C., and thank you for joining us here on Blog Talk Radio for the Nonprofit Coach, and this is Ted Hart. Uh, thank you for joining us and all of you who are listening in to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, remember, you can call in and ask a question of our page two expert, Mike Johnston, today. All you need to do is dial 1-347-324-3080. But before we uh, get to uh, Mike on page two, page one. Uh, shout out to uh, all of our friends uh, out at uh, South by Southwest. You can find uh, that huge conference online at sxsw.com. And I have to say, Twitter is just a buzz. You got all the geeks down there uh, in Texas, and uh, they're saying they've got registration of 29,572. So uh, quite a success uh, down there at South by Southwest. Wish I was with you. Uh, but uh, you folks have a good time. Also here on, uh, on page one uh, are the Social Innovation uh, Awards uh, 2010. Just a reminder to everybody that the philanthropy submissions only have seven days left. Uh, you can find information at uh, socialinnovationawards.com or don't forget, uh, at p2pfundraising.org, that's the letter two, the number, or I'm sorry, the letter P, the number two, the letter P, and fundraising.org. Uh, click on archives, and in our newsletter, we always have all the links uh, from page one here. Uh, so you'll find the link for the Social Innovation Awards, and you've got seven days to submit uh, your, uh, your submission for, uh, for this year. Uh, so good luck to everybody who uh, has their submissions in and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing the uh, Social Innovation Awards in the philanthropy category this year. 
We've got a little bit of controversy uh, brewing here on page one, and uh, I'm going to ask uh, Mike Johnson to weigh in on his thoughts here. Uh, here in the United States, uh, senators are questioning uh, the $1 million paycheck uh, that uh, is going to Boys and Girls Club of America uh, executives. Uh, big, big price tag there, and uh, I think where it's gotten uh, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley's attention uh, is that uh, they are saying that they are lacking funding and they have to close uh, some of their uh, their local Boys and Girls Club for lack of funding. Uh, yet that seems like a pretty high paycheck. So uh, where do you draw the line? What's proper compensation? How do you make those decisions in the nonprofit sector? But uh, the uh, uh, compensation was nearly a million dollars, uh, and uh, I'd like to hear what Mike has to say about that. So I'll be asking him. Uh, for all the geeks out there, again, here on page one, uh, you know the iPad is going to be uh, launched soon. That's going to be released on April 3rd. Uh, and uh, some of the questions are, you know, is it uh, worth pre-ordering an iPad? Well, I think it was over uh, 50,000 orders in just the first two hours. Uh, but, uh, you know, what, should you order your iPad now? Well, it looks like pretty uh, good technology, but uh, sent in from Kevin Courtney over on Facebook. Uh, he uh, is uh, saying this morning, and I can't say I disagree with him, that the third version of everything Apple makes is the best it will ever be. Uh, wait till then or you're wasting your money. Uh, and uh, also, uh, I think uh, most of you know that I'm very interested in helping charities go green uh, with my new book, Nonprofit Guide to Going Green, and we'll be talking about that in a future uh, show here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, but uh, how wasteful is this uh, if your battery goes dead? Uh, and according to uh, to Kevin here, he says uh, they plan for the battery to go dead in less than one year. I don't know if that's planned or not. Uh, you uh, actually have to send it in, and they'll send you another uh, iPad, and uh, uh, you're responsible for backing up your own data. So um, some of the suggestions over on smartmoney.com about whether or not you should pre-order uh, is uh, not really right now. Wait for prices to drop bugs to be worked out, more apps to be available, uh, connectivity uh, can be a bit of an issue, uh, and uh, the competition for this iPad looks like it could be pretty steep, and you may see uh, some other uh, uh, iPad-like devices that uh, you might be more interested in. So I think, uh, like a lot of new technology, this is exciting, but uh, uh, probably the, uh, the jury's out on whether or not you need one right now for the average charity, I would say, worth the wait. Another item here on page one, uh, the Chronicle of Philanthropy uh, has a new survey out, uh, and this is, uh, I think, important for, uh, for all charities who are looking at partnering with for-profit companies. Uh, Nicole Wallace is uh, writing about attitudes towards charities in marketing partnerships, uh, and overall, very, very positive. Uh, more than half the people in the survey, 56%, said that such partnerships make them more likely uh, to feel positively towards the nonprofit group. Uh, half of the participants said that they were more likely to make a donation to a charity, uh, and 41% reported that they uh, make they were more likely to volunteer for an organization. So uh, I know that uh, our page two uh, expert today, Mike Johnson, has 
a good deal of uh, experience in these kinds of mar partnerships, so I'm sure he'll comment on that today. What else have we got here on uh, on page uh, page two? Well, I've got uh, uh, an interesting uh, uh, video here uh, from uh, YouTube, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to hear from Jeremy Piven first, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the one campaign. Everybody ready? Still rolling? Hey, I'm Jeremy Piven. This month, One and YouTube are joining forces to spread the word about the progress that's being made in the fight against extreme poverty and preventable disease. And we need your help. Join me and One by going to youtube.com slash video volunteers. Make a video about an organization making a difference in the fight against global poverty. Submit your video by March 26th and we will pick the top three to go up on the YouTube homepage and one.org at the end of the month. In January, I, like many of you, joined a chorus of voices from all over the world in standing up for the people of Haiti after an earthquake devastated their country. But what we sometimes forget is that extreme poverty exists every day in places all across the globe. It may seem overwhelming and it may seem hopeless, but here's the thing, it's not. Three million people in Africa living with AIDS are now on life-saving medication for the first time. 42 million children around the globe are in school today who weren't just a few years ago. Malaria deaths have been cut in half in countries all across Africa, but the world isn't hearing about these successes. Progress is being made, and with the right kind of investments, we can accelerate it. We can save lives, fight hunger, we can put kids back in school, and get clean water to the people who need it most. That is why we need you to tell these stories. Let's come together as one, make our voices heard. Make a video, send it in. Thank you. Hey, thank you, uh, Jeremy. Uh, this is an important campaign, and whether you are a global development organization uh, or uh, you volunteer or care about a global development organization, don't miss this deadline of March 26th. Uh, putting together your own promotional video. What I really like about this, and those of you who have uh, heard me uh, lecture or know my work, is one of the things I really push is this notion of stewardship. As charitable organizations, we often are so good at pointing out the need, but we're not so good about telling the story of what good work has been done, how investments in these charities really do make a difference. One of the things I really point out, uh, really appreciate about what Jeremy Piven uh, pointed out in uh, in this particular audio clip uh, are the successes, you know, the money that has been donated already that, that we are making progress. So I think this is uh, this is significant. Uh, I think it's really important for uh, for all organizations and for those uh, global development organizations that will be chosen. Uh, three uh, uh, three charities that will be chosen. They're going to be given front page on uh, YouTube, and that's huge placement. Uh, so again, don't miss March 26th, uh, and all these links, as you know, are uh, in the newsletter at p2pfundraising.org. Just click on archives. All right, so what next? We've got a lot on page one today. Uh, the next is uh, really a, a very interesting for those of us who are in the social media business uh, today. 
big announcement uh, coming from the United Nations today uh, that uh, they are uh, uh, listing and uh, uh, announcing today uh, a social media envoy group. This is huge. This is really trying to harness the power uh, of the Internet and so many messages of this sort uh, for charitable organizations to, to really watch what's happening uh, in this social media envoy group. Uh, top social media folks from, uh, from all over uh, are guaranteeing and promising uh, as a social media envoy uh, that, uh, that they will push uh, topics out through their Twitter accounts and Facebook and other social media uh, to help fight against malaria. And the, the goal here uh, is that uh, every child, every family that needs uh, bed netting, uh, which has been proven just something as simple as bed netting, so inexpensive, can cut down on malaria and cut down on people uh, having uh, the problem of mosquitoes, uh, and that nearly 400 million people uh, have been covered by this just since 2007. So the United Nations is setting uh, a goal of universal bed netting, and we've got some really fine folks. Check it out uh, on, uh, on the link that we have on p2pfundraising.org. But uh, luminaries like Larry King and Arianna Huffington uh, and uh, Ryan Seacrest and uh, many other names that you know, some names that maybe you don't uh, know as well, Pete uh, uh, Cashmore over at Mashable, uh, Oprah Radio uh, host Derek Ashong, uh, really important stuff, really great group. I really applaud the United Nations for harnessing the power of social media in, in, uh, in this way. I don't see his name uh, on here, but uh, uh, I, I did see uh, uh, some postings uh, uh, from uh, Anderson Cooper over on CNN on, uh, on his uh, page this morning. I see Jack Gray uh, is the producer and writer for CNN. So, uh, that may be uh, coming through uh, through that posting as well, but really important work. Uh, what else have we got here on page one? Um, a really fun uh, fundraiser that uh, you probably uh, know today is the Ides of March. We've got a uh, March Madness kicking off uh, uh, for uh, uh, basketball fans, uh, but there's also an annual fundraiser that's done all over the world uh, to help conquer kids' cancer, uh, and I want to give you a chance to uh, – hear a little bit uh, uh, about that, uh, but, uh, and then we'll, uh, I'll fill you in a little bit more. How much is your hair worth to you? Is it worth a child's life? Each year, thousands of St. Baldrick's heroes shave their heads to raise funds for life-saving research. The St. Baldrick's Foundation needs you to join this worldwide effort. Together, we can conquer kids' cancer, the number one disease killer of children. Sign up for an event, make a donation, volunteer. Visit stbaldrick.org. Oh, that's uh, what, what a, what, how much fun! Now you know I can't get very far uh, with St. Baldrick's because uh, there's not a whole lot of hair to uh, to cut here. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, on their website right now, stbaldrick's.org, and of course you can find the link. Uh, at p2pfundraising.org, click on the archives. They've got 631 events, uh, events already uh, set up uh, around the world 
Uh, this is a, a global fundraising effort, over $10 million already raised. Uh, they've got uh, on their website showing over 27,000, almost 28,000 people who have had their heads shaved. Uh, and uh, I think their goal this year is 40,000. Uh, this is uh, uh, something that's done, uh, St. Baldrick. Uh, is uh, is uh, Irish, and so it's done around this time of year. Uh, but the events actually go throughout uh, throughout the year. So uh, go online, find one nearby, or or uh, host one yourself. Uh, but this is a, a great opportunity to help kids with cancer, uh, and uh, is uh, my homage uh, today to uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, which is uh, which is coming up here on uh, Wednesday. Uh, it was, uh, I think, a bit of a surprise to a lot of people, probably no more than a surprise to uh, President Barack Obama when he was uh, named uh, this year's uh, Nobel Peace Prize laureate. Uh, what comes along with that uh, is a $1.4 million award. Uh, very proud of our president here in the United States. He's decided to donate every penny of that to charity, uh, and you can find over on whitehouse.gov or, again, on the link at phpfundraising.org that uh, he has announced who's actually going to get that money. Uh, the largest share of that is going to go to an organization called Fisher House. Fisher House is a national nonprofit organization that provides housing for families of patients receiving medical care at major military and VA medical centers. Uh, number two goes to the Bush-Clinton-Haiti Fund, uh, and then on down through uh, several different organizations. Um, I think uh, nice diversity here. Well done, Mr. President. Uh, money going to the United Negro College Fund, to the Hispanic Scholarship Fund, the American Indian College Fund, uh, AfriCare, and the Central Asian Institute. So lots of organizations that uh, are getting money, getting a piece of the $1.4 million dollars. Uh, proud of uh, proud of our president for not only winning the award, uh, but uh, for deciding to donate uh, his prize money. Uh, what else have we got here on uh, on uh, page one? Long page one here today. Uh, a little bit of controversy it pop popped up this morning. I caught it on uh, on Twitter. Sharon Schneider uh, actually uh, posted uh, this morning. She said, "I find it wrongheaded to bribe people." into volunteering by offering them a ticket uh, to Disney uh, in their uh, give-a-day, get-a-day uh, promotion. Not sure that I necessarily uh, agree here. Um, those of you who uh, are already getting our newsletter uh, uh, saw that we uh, posted on this uh, in our newsletter uh, and uh, something that we really promoted and uh, tried to push for volunteerism. And uh, happy to say, um, just announced today, uh, by Joanne Fritz over on uh, nonprofitsabout.com uh, that uh, Disney succeeded in recruiting one million volunteers uh, with uh, this campaign. And, uh, of course, uh, here on the, uh, the Nonprofit Coach, uh, we've got a little bit of an of a audio clip for you here. I love to volunteer. It's gotten us thinking a lot more about why we volunteer. What makes you who you are is what you do, not what you have. It's just inspiring. Today, we're here to celebrate you. We have Walt Disney World! The world's largest structure of canned food. I, I love the idea of the give-a-day, get-a-day campaign at Disney 
because you can volunteer for, for a, a wonderful nonprofit, and you get a free day at a Disney theme park. It, it, it doesn't get much better than that. Volunteer work is for families, and Disney is for families, so it's a great place to put it all together. Today, Hands-On Network marks an exciting milestone in our partnership with Disney. Since January 1st, in just six weeks, an astounding 600,000 volunteers have signed up for their day of service. We didn't do this to, to come to Disney World. I think it's really kind of inspired us to do even more. 115,000 cans, which is a Guinness World Record for the largest can structure ever, but really more important than that, this represents food for 70,000 families. Keep up the good work. Well, I think uh, bravo to the folks over uh, at Disney uh, for uh, their partnership with the Hands-On Network uh, to draw attention to volunteerism. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, if, uh, if they can uh, give away that many uh, uh, trips to uh, Disney World as a thank you, there are a lot of nonprofits and a lot of needy people, I think, that are going to benefit uh, from uh, from that kind of uh, that kind of effort. Uh, well, that's um, that that wraps up what I've got for you uh, here on uh, on page one. Uh, so uh, we're going to uh, uh, get uh, get ready here for uh, uh, for page two. Here on page two, we've got our guest expert today, uh, and uh, that is uh, uh, Mike Johnson is uh, with us. He is the president and CEO of uh, uh, Hewitt & Johnson Consulting. Uh, he's co-founder of uh, the Global Legacy uh, Program, uh, Global Legacy Giving Group, rather, uh, and a senior fundraising partner with a Dutch-based company, uh, Nassau, and a French-based company, Optimus. Uh, he's been a fundraiser for 23 years and has worked with hundreds of organizations all over the world. Mike is considered to be an expert uh, in direct mail, certainly uh, was one of the leading experts in online fundraising. Uh, when I was looking to uh, put together the ePhilanthropy Foundation, uh, there were very few people who were more helpful than, uh, than Mike Johnson. Uh, he had already written a couple of books very much ahead of his time uh, in the nonprofit sector. Uh, on, his, on his own, he wrote a couple of books, and, uh, and then he's uh, gone on and partnered with me uh, with a, a couple of other books, and he is a contributing uh, author to people-to-people uh, -to -people fundraising uh, and uh, that social networking and Web 2.0 uh, for charities. So uh, we've got Mike Johnson here today, wealth of, uh, of experience, uh, so don't hesitate to call in uh, to ask a question. Uh, that number is one three four seven. 324-3080. So everybody listening uh, on the web on Blog Talk Radio today, uh, don't uh, don't miss the opportunity to ask Mike a question. And uh, I think if I'm uh, doing things right here, this is uh, only show number two, so I'm learning the switchboard. I think I've got Mike Johnson here with us. Mike, you here? Yep. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you just Hello, fine. Ted. You're here live on Great. Blog Talk Radio and the Nonprofit Coach. So thank you for joining us. Now, uh, Mike, you travel about as much as I do, and I think uh, uh, you're not sitting in Toronto today, are you? Where are you? No, uh, I'm in Madrid, uh, sunny Madrid today uh, uh -huh. with UNICEF. Um, and uh, lovely to be here, Ted. 
Well, that's terrific. Well, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us today, and uh, I think we, we, we will have a couple of callers for you today. Uh, but before we get okay. to that, um, several things I want to uh, get a chance to ask you about, uh, some that uh, I think you heard part of uh, uh, the page one news, so I want to cover some of that, and I also want to mm-hmm. uh, get some uh, insight into your experience in online fundraising and uh, linking to yeah. traditional su- uh, fundraising. But um, uh, first, uh, sort of controversial topic, what's your take on uh, uh, senators uh, here in the United States uh, beginning to really uh, question uh, million-dollar uh, paychecks for mm-hmm. some charity CEOs here in the United States? I mean, first, whether it's right or wrong, um, we're seeing increasing uh, attention in multiple countries. So it's not just the U.S. uh, institutions in Canada and and institutions here in Europe. The same thing is happening. I I think it's in part because of tough times. Uh, People want to see what people are being paid. And for the charitable sector, you know, Ted, it's always been sensitive. Um, And and I think we can expect more of this. we see it in Canada. There were um, heads of a few ch- children's hospital foundations where uh, the, the executive, the CEO of the foundation's pay was front page news on multiple newspapers. And uh, it was difficult uh, with the public. Um, I think, Ted, ultimately there might have to be a shift considering all this public attention in that contracts of foundation CEOs and nonprofit CEOs may have to be a a combination, more of a combination of set salary and then perhaps more performance bonuses, and that could be mission deliverable or um, fundraising deliverable. I I think a million dollars gets anyone's attention in any country, and it may be that we need to, in the same way that uh, banking CEOs in the United States and the UK are having to change the way that they're compensated, the, the same thing may happen with the CEOs of nonprofits. Mike, is it, is it an issue of skill set? I mean, is it just really impossible uh, to find qualified people unless you're paying at those rates? I know that, you know, for, uh, for a lot of nonprofit executives, uh, uh, salaries uh, have grown. Some of them are, uh, you know, very uh, respectable, but uh, uh, very few yeah. of them that are, that are hitting the stratosphere uh, like this. Are these just really good negotiators with boards of directors that aren't paying attention? Or is this necessary to attract good talent? Yeah, good question. I mean, hard, hard to say, but again, I'd make a parallel to, to the commercial world. Without a doubt, uh, banks and other commercial institutions, you can see efficiency and inefficiency at play. You can see an old boys network that's at play in the banking system, you know, board of directors who, you know, want not want to cause ripples and and give good salary compensation to, to their peers. I mean, people they see every day. Um, some of it could be at play in, in some situations. It may not be in this case. Um, but but I, I think there has to be constant vigilance in the nonprofit sector on corporate uh, compensation in the same way that, that, not, you know, that banks do too. So um, I, I think it's good that we're paying attention. I'm, I'm glad senators are bringing this up because there, there could be situations where people are being paid too much. Now, I think, Ted, if it, if it does mean that there's more oversight and political pressure and public pressure, and if salaries do come down, even if there are bonuses on top for, for performance, it could mean that we see a lot less people coming over from the commercial sector uh, with management, executive management experience for nonprofits. But 
you know, I'll give you one one example. I mean, an organ a nonprofit organization, tiny one in Toronto, uh, it's now being run by a, a corporate giant, uh, someone who was well compensated running uh, steel companies and uh, other other large multinational mining companies, but believes in giving back and is paid a pittance of what he was paid when he was running corporations. So I'm not sure lower compensation would would stop sort of emeritus and older executives from coming over because they would have got their great compensation from the commercial world. So. But, but again, I just, just, uh, I'm just wondering out loud, um, is, that, uh, is there just a lack of talent that we, we need to, uh, to bring people over from the for-profit sector or if they come over from the nonprofit sector, we're just supposed to feel sorry for them because we don't make as much in the nonprofit sector? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, you know that, Ted, that, that a lot of large organizations like uh, the one that you were mentioning earlier, these are hundreds of millions of dollars. These are large corporations, and they demand excellent compensation to run multi-hundred million dollar corporations. Um, they've always been lower compensated, even if you're making a million dollars to run an organization worth hundreds, making hundreds of millions, that's still much below what an executive would be paid for an equivalent-sized commercial entity. So there's always a downward pressure. Um, I, I think it's uh, right or wrong, a public prejudice that puts pressure on nonprofits to keep salaries lower for executive positions that would probably be paid much, much higher uh, and might deserve a higher compensation to run a half a billion dollar nonprofit. But politically difficult to do it. I, I think it's just becoming politically difficult to do so. Right, and, right. Well, Mike, uh, I know you, you're tight on time here today, so I do have uh, several other things, and we've got a caller or two for you as, uh, as well. Another thing I wanted to, uh, from page one, just have you uh, reflect on, I'm sure you've, you've uh, already made note of uh, the survey uh, posted on uh, uh, Chronicle Philanthropy from Nicole Wallace, but uh, I know you've got quite yeah. a bit of experience uh, with uh, uh, marketing and, and for-profit partnerships uh, in the nonprofit sector, yeah. and, it, and uh, this uh, survey seems to bear out that kind of work. That uh, the public views these things very positively. Um, can you yeah. reflect uh, on that? And, and is this a growing trend? Is this something that a broader range of charities should be considering than maybe consider it right now? Yeah, I think one of the great difficulties in the past of building cost-affordable uh, corporate nonprofit relationships, whether that's you know, uh, affinity marketing or workplace giving or right, CSR, cause-related uh, product connection between companies and, and nonprofits is affordability for the nonprofit. And so, Ted, you would agree. Um, there are a lot of technology and online tools that are now available to allow nonprofits to provide value-added connection back to their corporate partners, um, either in uh, corporate co-branded online workplace campaigns or um, online marketing that's now affordable for the nonprofits but can be co-branded to the nonprofit part to the corporate partners. So um, I, I think it's just uh, early days for sort of small, medium-sized, and even a lot of large-sized nonprofits to look for technology solutions that allow for more corporate cause-related uh, connection, CSR cause-related connection back and forth. But are Does that they, make sense, Ted? 
I, I think this uh, this survey is interesting. Uh, it was commissioned by Cone, which is a Boston marketing firm. Yep. Uh, I think probably right. because it, you know that's what they're involved with, and they want to see it. Uh, positive here. Uh, great to see that the public views it positively, but but are they profitable yep. for charity or only profitable for the for profit? Well, to give you an example, um, you know, in in a down economy, uh, corporations within their vertical or uh, who they're competing against. Um, for for banks, for example, uh, banks are now in Europe, Santander and others here in Spain. Uh, the banks are competing against each other. They want to have some competitive advantage uh, over another bank with the prospective customer. Uh, and, and they read a report like this and say, gosh, we, as a company, we've got to do more w with nonprofits we support, uh, in part to be able to market it there to, uh, and, and think that they can get customers over someone else. So th that report is you know, the report itself is not having influence, but that perspective is, is sinking into companies that are hyper-competitive, and that could be supermarkets as well. So places where there are many equivalent players in a commercial market, they, they see partnering up with nonprofits more and more uh, as a way to, to win over a customer, over a competitor. Is, uh, is uh, Mike, uh, is this a for-profit trying to leverage the goodwill of a of a nonprofit, um, uh, is it in fact profitable to charities? I mean, that, that's that's one of the things. I can see where the benefit is for the for-profit yep. company, uh, but options for the nonprofit sector. Yeah, great, good question, Ted. There there, there has to be a, a a partnership where real money is flowing to the nonprofit. So you, you're right. That yeah, clearly, I think there's nothing wrong for a commercial entity to have self-interest involved here where they see a, a commercial competitive advantage by partnering with a nonprofit. The nonprofit needs to make sure that it makes itself stronger in that arrangement. So that's either income flowing from affinity programs uh, with goals set and meet those goals or employee giving matched by a company uh, and real money flowing to the nonprofit. So there, there, yeah, there has to be a give and take. Nonprofits are benefiting hopefully financially and perhaps band, uh, brand building, but you know, commercial entities are, yeah, absolutely. They're taking advantage, if you want to say, but I'd say more getting the benefit, right, of, of mission-delivered cause-related connection. Thank you, Mike. Um, listen, you, more than, than a, a lot of other folks, saw the promise of the Internet very early on uh, in, uh, in, in the, uh, the nonprofit sector. Uh, I wanted to explore with you how, how did you do that? I mean, you, you were uh, already exploring and writing in, in this sector before I ever came up with the idea of the eFilanthropy Foundation, before I even uh, wrote my first book. Um, how, how did you see that before anyone else saw that, and what, what was it like back then? Um, some of it's happened chance, some of it's friends, right, who pay attention, and some of it's focusing on opportunity. So uh, George Irish, a great old colleague and friend, uh, was an uh, early adopter of the Internet, uh, understood the, the direct response fundraising I was doing in multiple channels, and 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 began to inform me, you know, 15, 16 years ago about the possibilities. Uh, and and really together we started to look at 
um, first and foremost, how a direct, where there were direct response opportunities. Well, where we could sort of parallel uh, asking people to do things, either taking action or giving money, could be replicated online. And um, that's as complicated as it gets, that we, we saw an early channel opportunity. Uh, I, I saw parallels in direct response fundraising. I still think they're there. Um, and, and so we moved uh, the lim you know, uh, started to create a liturgy online because there were 50 books I could take off a shelf about direct mail fundraising and have a predictability and uh, there was a liturgy that was there to support me and the nonprofits in direct mail. I thought it, w it was time to start to test and, and build some liturgy and some understanding and predictability with online. And, and so we started early doing that. So, so what's happening now? I mean, what, it, the, the, we're now, uh, you know, really 10, uh, for you maybe 12 years, but, but for, for a serious uh, approach, uh, you and I started the eFilanthropy Foundation 10 years ago, uh, which uh, do, doesn't sound like it's that, that long ago, but in, in uh, Internet mm -hmm. years, that, uh, that is eons ago. Um, so how, how have we grown as a, as a sector? What, what do you think are the most important lessons for nonprofits yeah. right now in the use of the Internet? Good. Yeah, I mean, it's the, I see good things and bad things. Um, uh, bad things in that uh, the tools are more powerful uh, to have better donor relationships, uh, to better integrate uh, cross-channel marketing. Um, there are many commercial players who have fantastic tools out there and some open source and, and sort of free solutions to do amazing things online, both both advocacy and fundraising. But I, I think um, people are not, they're sort of abandoning some of their principles and good fundraising theory uh, about taking care of a donor, uh, you know, making them feel safe, getting them to kind of, uh, get deeper into an organization and, and move up, you know, the, the donor pyramid. We're seeing people uh, not doing that enough. Uh, we see people just moving from the next shiny thing to the next shiny thing. And, and good and bad, there are so many shiny things, Ted, you know, so many tools, so many solutions. And, and I think people are losing focus on um, what's really important, which is kind of the human peer-to-peer uh, -peer or person-to-person -person relationships, good customer service. Uh, people aren't investing in customer service. They're instead, you know, buying the next shiny thing. That, that worries me. I, I, don't, I haven't seen people focusing enough on good customer service. Uh, and connected to customer service is uh, cross-channel. So I'll give you a good example today, Ted, and, and to the listeners. Um, uh, a higher education institution um, wants to run an online fundraising campaign. Um, we have settled on a model that will first get people to give to a campaign and connect to it online. Um, through a set of business rules, uh, they will then perhaps get a call triggered and uh, within certain city catchment areas, some people will get a visit to get a major gift. So uh, a large, large financial goal, it's physically represented online. Uh, there will be money raised online, but there will be a sort of customer service donor cultivation sequence that involves other channels to get closer to a supporter. So we see online for a lot of organizations 
keeping people from a closer relationship with uh, a donor. And I think online is staggeringly good at organizing and categorizing and gathering information on donors, but you then have to have a set of business rules to get you closer and closer and closer to less and less of those people. Um, but, but we see that missing. Um, and, and so I would just say, even over the last 14 years, we don't see those channels being connected for what we just say is a better donor experience. Uh, and it could be moving people to larger gifts. Um, we just see people moving to the next fancy thing. And, and now there, there's all of this froth about uh, text and mobile giving. And our greatest successes with, with using the mobile TED are getting people to take action online and in some jurisdictions where we can negotiate it, then calling those people and having a voice on the phone and converting them to a more commit to a committed gift. That that I would urge people listening to ask people, uh, wireless carriers and others to to look more deeply into the impact of a five dollar gift, uh, and if that stops subsequent relationships. Um, again, that's a bright, shiny thing that uh, we should be cautious about and we should think about how mobile phones connect to leaving a legacy gift in a, in a few decades. And how, yeah, I think how do we take mobile? Longer, yeah. The longer term view, I, you know, we started uh, uh, planning the people to people fundraising uh, book uh, probably about four years ago, and it's probably never been more timely. Uh, and Mike, I want to thank you. Uh, you've, you've got a chapter coming up in the new book that's going to come out next month uh, called Internet Management for Nonprofits. And I think that the, the combination of those two books looking at what is real about social networking, and I think that uh, the caution that you're giving is really to focus on those relationships. Uh, and I agree with you on, on mobile. I think mobile is exciting. I think it's certainly something that charities should consider, but they've got to get the basics down first. We can't, you can't jump from having a really awful website that's badly designed uh, to somehow having a successful mobile campaign. Uh, so there is. A can, can I talk I, about the? Oh, I just love to say, Ted, you, you were talking about the UN having a social media envoy group, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, you know, for me, I step back as someone who absolutely believes in online and say, do they have a legacy giving envoy group? Right, <laughs> but, right. You know, exactly. yeah, you know, I mean, good Lord, I, uh, you could have 10,000 older donors give $100 million probably in legacy gifts for, the, for UN-related agencies. Well, 100 million people could give $10,000. And, that, and that's not to say they shouldn't have a social media envoy, but, but I think they've skipped over, right? They've skipped over a number of other sort of foundational things that you need to do with fundraising too. And they go hand in hand. So we, we know, for example, Ted, that you know, some of the most visited parts of sites with older donors are the planned giving areas of the site. That, People are going to learn about leaving a legacy and be inspired. So online and traditional fundraising go hand in hand. I, I just want us not to move so darn quickly sometimes uh, with, with the brightest uh, young starlet walking down the street. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, uh, I really think that it, it is a step-by-step, -step, um, and, and it, is, uh, it is really important 
the charities take that time. I think most of my lectures um, really uh, help debunk that idea of sort of the the, the quick um, uh, the quick money because I, I think that a lot of charities still want to equate email as if it were nothing more than electronic direct mail, and they just want to know where's that list, where do I buy that list, how can I just send out enough That's emails right. uh, so that uh, so right. that money will uh, will be coming in. So uh, That's right. I, how can I make the same amount of money and spend a hundred time a hundred less <laughs> to, to, to get that money? Right, that's, right, the, right. It doesn't doesn't work that way. <laughs> Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? Well, Hal is uh, is here and he's wondering if we can ask a a question here, and I think that means we've got a caller. So let me see if I can get this right. Uh, caller, are are uh, are you there with us, caller? Yep. Can you hear me? Oh yes, absolutely. You're uh, you're on live here on the nonprofit coach with our page two guest expert Mike Johnston. Uh, where are you calling from? From New York, right outside of New York City. Oh, terrific! And you've got a question uh, for our expert today. I do. I actually wanted to go back to the cause-related marketing discussion and understand yep. from the corporate perspective: has cause-related marketing generated enough interest that the rest of the marketing budget is kind of reorganized, or are we still talking about money that more or less would have been associated with nonprofit partners and just better ways to approach it? So has it been effective enough to change the, uh, the, the, the uh, direction from other marketing activities and move them towards yeah. cause-related marketing? So uh, I think uh, if you look at very competitive commercial markets like wireless carriers, um, you'll see um, organization, a company like Orange, which is uh, you know, a UK wireless carrier in continental Europe as well, fighting people like Vodafone and in the past British Telecom. Um, some of the wireless carriers, all of their marketing money, right, main, a lot of their main marketing dollars, not philanthropic, go into cause-related marketing right, and CSR activities. So, for, for some corporations, they see no distinction, and a, a vast majority of their marketing budget is now starting to go into CSR-related. And uh, I, I can maybe send Ted a few examples of that. So in, in hyper-competitive retail environments, uh, some corporations are making all the marketing money they're spending connected to CSR. That's not to say in other markets, you, you see a distinction, but but we do see a movement in hyper-competitive markets to spend just flat-out old marketing dollars on CSR-related activities. Mike, are there specific or ways that yeah. uh, the charities should be approaching for uh, for this kind of marketing dollar? Um, it, it's a good yeah, it's a good question. It always depends on the on the market. Um, that I, I think to stand in the shoes of the corporation. I, I think if you can make, if you can see it from their perspective, meaning, you know, the CSR, corporate cause related um, projects that, that you're offering and, and showing how it, it improves their ability to, to gain market share while still generating revenue for you. I mean, that's, that, that's the way everyone seems to be talking to us. Um, I, I, does that make sense? It's about getting more customers, uh, making their brand more competitive against um, other like-minded corporations, going after the same customer. So we're, we're getting more and more of that perspective every day. 
Great. Well, thank you very much, caller, for that very uh, thoughtful call. And I know that uh, we're starting to run a little long here, Mike, and you're all the way uh, over okay. in Madrid, so we're going to let you go and say thank you very much uh, for your time uh, here on uh, on page two. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Pleasure. Coming back uh, here from uh, from the break, I do have uh, uh, a, a real real treat uh, for for me uh, on the line. Here uh, is uh, Neil Galliford. Uh, Neil is uh, working uh, hard with me and uh, my team here, and I have to say I'm so impressed uh, with his uh, his efforts. We're going to be uh, working together on uh, bringing a digital leap conference to Toronto. On, uh, on April 23rd, that's uh, that's my birthday, uh, so I'm going to be uh, up there in Toronto with uh, the good folks. And I, I think uh, Neil, you're with us here, aren't you, Neil? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, terrific, terrific. Um, so Neil, thanks for uh, for jumping on here. I know you've got a tight schedule, but uh, can you give us a rundown on uh, all the the great work that's uh, coming together and how things are looking for uh, what, what's shaping up to be just a a really great conference there in Toronto. Well, yeah, I'd love to do that. First of all, I have to say it must be Canada Day on your radio program. Uh, I was listening to Mike Johnson, who's a colleague of mine up here, and it sounded like a really Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He's in Madrid right now. Yeah, lucky guy, lucky guy. Anyway, yeah, no, we're really looking forward to seeing you up here at the at the Digital Lead Conference on April 23rd. We got a great, uh, we think we got a great uh, uh, schedule set out, a pro- great program set out. Um you know Andrew Masawi from uh, Blackbot. He's going to be there and speaking. Uh, we uh, we have a, a social media guru here in Toronto named S- uh, Scott Stratton who goes under the handle of Unmarketing. He's got more than 50,000 followers on uh, on Twitter, and he's uh, he's he's set out to master that medium. He's uh, he's really great to listen to, and. Uh, We've got uh, Google Canada speaking and telling us how uh, how uh, some of the best things in life are free, uh, the free offerings that uh, Google itself has for for not-for-profit organizations. Registration is uh, is already growing strong. Uh, how can uh, how can folks uh, register for Digital Leap Canada on April 23rd? Uh, it's no problem at all. You just go to digitalleap.org digitalleap.org and you'll find uh, all the information you need to know about the conference, the program, and and uh, and you can register right there online. Terrific! I know we've got some uh, some great sponsors uh, that have uh, that have come on board, and that certainly is a, a vote of confidence to the kind of conference that, that this is going to be. Uh, who are uh, some of the sponsors that we've got uh, for this conference? Well, we get, uh, Blackbot itself is uh, is a conference sponsor, the the, the premium level. Uh, we have a, a local organization called GMG Solutions, which is uh, a, a support uh, services firm. They're uh, in as a platinum sponsor. Uh, we have a couple of, uh, of uh, uh, service providers on the, uh, in the digital space, uh, uh, Cornerstone uh, Group of Companies and, uh, and Unix Vision. So we're and uh, where's this? Uh, this is going to be held at a really spectacular oh. uh, location, and the folks uh, over there are working hard as well. Why don't you give us a little bit of a preview of where this is going to be? Uh, this uh, event's going to be held at the Royal Conservatory of Music, which is uh, a newly renovated space uh, of, uh, where they've taken the old uh, 
stone and brick building and wrapped a, a modern building around uh, half of it, uh, creating an amazing uh, recital hall called Cor uh, Kerner Hall. And uh, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous space. I mean, it's worth the price of entry just to, just to uh, come and experience the space. Well, that's great. Well, I, I can't thank you, Neil, enough for uh, coming on board and letting our listeners hear a little bit more about uh, the planning for Digital Leap. I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, uh, I guess, if I'm looking right, it's about uh, a little bit more than five weeks away. So uh, register, register early, and uh, we'll see you all in Toronto. Thanks again for joining us today, Neil. Hey, no problem. Glad to talk to you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. All right. You take care. All right. We are... Uh, And over here on page uh, four are some uh, topics from the, the P2P fundraising.org newsletter. Uh, and I think uh, one of the uh, really exciting things uh, to share for our friends in Australia and Canada uh, is that YouTube has now extended the nonprofit program uh, to uh, include Australia and Canada already covering the USA uh, and the UK. So uh, urging all of our listeners to check that out at youtube.com forward slash nonprofits. Um, also, just a reminder that uh, uh, we're, uh, uh, we've got uh, the Art Has Interaction Conference uh, coming to Washington, D.C. That's going to be, uh, at a, again, a really terrific location not to be missed at the museum on, uh, on March uh, 30th. Uh, and uh, I'm going to uh, uh, be uh, uh, lecturing um, at uh, the LSA conference uh, in Sacramento on uh, uh, April 26th uh, through the 28th, and you can uh, find more information about that at lutheranservices.org. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, we mentioned um, a little bit earlier uh, several uh, deadlines uh, that are coming up, and another one that I want to draw your attention to are the uh, YouTube Awards, the uh, annual Do-Gooder Nonprofit Video Awards. Uh, that deadline is coming up actually this week. March 19th is your deadline there, uh, so don't uh, miss that opportunity, and that's youtube.com forward slash nonprofit video awards. And, of course, all of this uh, is available uh, in uh, online at p2pfundraising.org. Uh, click on the archives, and you'll see uh, not only the entire newsletter, but just click on radio links, and you'll get all the, uh, the links that we have uh, in today's show. Well, we've had uh, quite a day here uh, uh, together. Uh, thanks again to uh, Mike Johnson for joining us as our page two expert. Uh, just to recap, uh, we took a look at a terrific new survey uh, over at Chronicle of Philanthropy uh, Charity and Marketing Partnership Survey. Uh, we also uh, explored whether or not now is the time to pre-order the iPad, and my estimation is no, save your nonprofit dollars for now. But I do think that the iPad has got some legs here, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see as we get uh, competition in the space and also get on to uh, the third generation of the iPad, just what they're going to pack in there, what the pricing is really going to look at uh, long term. So I think 
uh, some real solid value coming up there. Uh, kudos again to President Obama in giving away all of his Nobel Peace Prize money uh, and some really fine charities getting a piece of that pie. Um, I think it's uh, – I agree with Mike Johnson. Uh, it's good that uh, uh, senators uh, here in the United States are taking a look at uh, 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 very high uh, charity salaries. I think it's wise to know what the value is. Uh, but I also, you know, caution one of the big uh, problems that I have in terms of how nonprofits are viewed in the United States is, you know, somehow we get squeamish when we talk about administrative costs as if somehow by magic really well-run charities don't cost anything. Uh, they do, and if we want good management, we want good accounting, then we do have to pay for it. But it has to be reasonable. And what, what is reasonable, I think, is open for public debate. Uh, but I think we, we drive down salaries, we drive down quality, uh, then we get the kind of scandals uh, that we've seen in the, in the past uh, where you've got people who either don't have the management skills or don't have the ethical fortitude uh, to be able to uh, know right from wrong. Uh, and certainly we have to hold our charities to a higher standard. Uh, I think that comes in the, in the form of appropriate salaries, uh, but also comes in the form of a higher ethical standard. Very important uh, to us uh, uh, is the uh, nonprofit social or the social innovation awards. Uh, there's a philanthropy category there. Deadlines coming up. Uh, we also took a look, and uh, Mike Johnson noted this uh, as well. The UN social media envoys. I really praise them for trying to harness and, and use the massive power of social networking to get the word out, particularly, again, uh, taking a look at uh, the YouTube uh, uh, volunteer piece that, uh, uh, that we, uh, we saw, we heard from uh, Jeremy Piven very early on in the show. Uh, again, taking a look at this issue of, uh, of, of really stewardship and telling the story of how money that is given is put to good work. I think that's extremely, extremely important. Uh, we're seeing that, uh, uh, I think, done very well uh, here with uh, the UN social media envoys and that so much progress in malaria has been made, and we have that final measure with this universal uh, campaign. But I also agree with Mike Johnson that there are other forms that uh, utilizing the power uh, and the messaging of this kind of medium really could, uh, on the heels of this uh, UN social media envoy, maybe could uh, grow in some other ways. So really fine show today. Mike Johnson, uh, bang-up job. Uh, really uh, can't thank you enough. A, a true leader in our sector, a friend uh, for years, uh, and uh, someone who will continue to uh, provide strong leadership uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to our sector. I uh, just want to drive your attention and uh, invite you to please uh, join us for our next show. Uh, and uh, uh, we will be back here on uh, uh, March 23rd, 12 noon, Lunch with Ted, the nonprofit coach. Uh, don't miss the opportunity to join us. Either join us online and just listen in at blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit coach, or go ahead and get your best question and really uh, put uh, our uh, page two experts to the test and call in to one three four seven three two four three zero eight zero. And uh, with that, I want to thank everybody for a really fine show today. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.